Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Georgia. With me is Greg Velasquez in Iowa. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. Okay, two points from two games. I still think we'll probably qualify for the World Cup, but at this rate, mathematically, we will not. We won't do it at this rate. One point a game is not enough. We kick off in San Pedro Sula tomorrow without Weston McKinney. More on that later. Dest's hurt. Reyna's hurt. Adams is on 180 minutes. Yedlin is on around 130 minutes. And we're not creating much from the run of play. So, Greg, how are you? How are you doing? (laughs) What did I say last time that I was cautiously disappointed? Uh, I think today I can just say that I'm disappointed. Fully disappointed. Fully, fully disappointed. Why can we not create danger and score goals? from the run play <laughs> just just like the most damning question you can ask a soccer team uh because well one teams have decided that we can't and are at this point happy to let us try uh i think that was canada's master stroke here from john herdman was to just give us the ball if you saw people talking about how we dominated possession there's definitely a difference between uh a team that allows you to have the ball and a team that you dominate despite their attempts to try to take the ball from you uh Canada was definitely the former where they just said, here, have it. Good luck. Um, and they sort of kept their shape very well and just sort of shifted the amoeba around. And we never asked any real questions of them. Um, and, you know, I'm going to basically say that I think one of our big problems here is patterns, uh, patterns into the final third, patterns to get into the final third. And then I still think we have issues once we actually get the ball in there. Uh, I know others disagree, but in all of our competitive games, that for me has been a huge problem. Like what do we actually do when the ball gets into the final third? Uh, what, what kind of coordination is there? And it's been lacking. What I kind of compare it to is like a, uh, your kids youth soccer team. Uh, they've decided that it's time to start learning how to play the ball out of the back. Uh, this is it's 2021. This is what soccer is. Um, but we're only two weeks into the season. So we only know how to set up our back lines shape and we have no idea what to do besides pass the ball around our, our back line. We're, we're, we're trying to keep it. We're playing the right way. We just don't really know how to actually prog- progress the ball up the field. And that, that's kind of been borne out. That was our, uh, if you saw the, the pass map again, we've got the dreaded uh, black horseshoe. horseshoe of death around the back. So this is, this is what we're seeing. This is our reality. Three years into the Greg Berhalter project, um, we can't say, we, we need to be done with the abstract conversations of should we be trying to play this way? Like, this is what he's been trying to do, and it's not there. We can't keep saying it just takes time. Like, the time is the time has been taken. In, unless it mag- a switch magically flips after uh, 30 months, and, and suddenly it takes exactly 30 months, and then you'll be very good at it. We're in the games that we need to be doing it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is pretty damning to say that we're like a, a youth soccer team that's two weeks into learning how to play possession <laughs> soccer. But I mean, and, and that people are going to take that as like, a, you know, as a burn. But I mean, it is true. And excuse my voice. I was at the game on Sunday. I'm very hoarse. I was shouting a lot. I'm very hoarse. Uh, the the thing is, we don't we don't have good off ball movement in the middle of the field so that there there's rarely do you see people checking to the ball purposefully and creating space for each other so that you have like a second run or a third run. And, um, and then even when we do have options to play the ball our, our even when we did have options to play the ball, our execution on Sunday was not super great. I didn't think. Um, so should we change, should we change the way we play? 
Well, to a degree, we can't, right? I mean, we Berhalter has clearly shown that he's now willing to do the the sort of all-action midfield, uh, press teams that want to keep the ball, uh, get out in transition, things that we weren't doing in 2019. Those, those avenues were open to us in 2019 as well. We didn't even try to take advantage of them. Now we are. Uh, so that's that's been the progression of Berhalter so far. Um, but what's happened now is, you know, Canada, again, Herdman recognized this. You, you go back to the Gold Cup final. Uh, we looked, we played Mexico even, even as far as chance creation goes. Uh, and it was kind of a flip. We gave Mexico the possession. We said, you can have it. We're going to be, work our tails off to hit you in transition when you give it away, when you make a mistake. And we did that and we played them XG for XG, you know? Uh, and Herdman said, okay, well, all of the U.S.'s chances came in these transition moments on their press. We just won't ha- try to play with the ball to let them, to, to give them that revenue stream. So we can't create many chances off the press if teams aren't going to let us have it. It was the same with Honduras and Nations League. There were no press moments because they didn't keep the ball long enough for us to press. So we should keep doing those things, but if the other team isn't going to have the ball and we, we, we're going to have it for 70% of the game, we also need to be able to figure out ways to break teams down Yeah, outside of set pieces and, and the press. And we did. We scored a goal on the press on Sunday night, so that's, uh, you know, that's a good thing. Oh, man, I, if I were Herdman, I would have been irate because they were having such success with their block in their shape. And then they finally give the the chance away. We'll, we'll talk about it in the chronology, but it was just like a throw in. They throw it to a center back who just gets the ball trapped under his feet. One of their three center backs gets it trapped under his feet. And Aronson does well to pounce on that weak touch. And away we go. Uh, so if I'm Herdman, like I've, everything's been going well. We're not giving the U.S. any any looks. And then to sort of hand them that opportunity, man, that would be frustrating. And Herdman did sub Scott Kennedy off immediately right after that. <laughs> That's the hook right there. So um, I just want to thank some people for, before we get into this grim chronology, the top, the lineups and everything, just want to thank some people for their participation in the Scuff Tailgate on Sunday, because that was a lot of fun, and uh, I was worried about it before it happened. It turned out to be really fun. So thank you, Jonathan, for tracking down the hot chicken. Hard to do, and he, you did it. Thanks, Vince, for handling the playlist. Thank you, Alex, for manning the grill and bringing all those brats and hot dogs. Uh, thanks, Toodle, for bringing small-sided goals and getting some games going. Thank you, Ryan, for helping me with the live show. Thank you, Eric, for being the world's greatest hype man. Thank you, Kevin, for making the Moscow the Moscow mules, especially the tequila ones. Uh, my wife told me on the drive back home that he was uh, cutting those limes with a butter knife and hand squeezing them in his hotel room, and it showed. Those drinks were delicious. So that's DFB Hipster on Twitter, if anyone was wondering. Uh, big appreciation to all you guys and everybody who came out. Ian, uh, John Lukens, everybody. I was, so, I was looking through the photos. Did Weston McKenney attend your tailgate? Is that, was that the rationale for the, is that how he got suspended? <laughs> no masks in sight. No. Yeah. He, um, he, there was a baby named Weston there, but Weston okay. McKenney himself was not in attendance. Okay. So we can at least rule that out as a possibility for, for the suspension. Yeah. And we, let's, let's just get that out of the way before we move on to Weston McKenney was not in the lineup, not even in the squad. He's heading back. He had, he was heading back to Italy because, uh, well, we don't know exactly why he said it was, uh, he said it was, he, he said on Instagram that he, he violated COVID protocols. Landon Donovan went on Grant Wall's podcast and basically said he was, uh, you know, the devil for what he did, but didn't say what he did. And, um, I mean, he's Landon was, Landon Donovan was very dramatic about it. And I, I'm not, I'm kind of don't appreciate that given that we don't, he didn't offer any facts about it. And so the, the rumor mill is going crazy. And, uh, I think it, like I said on Twitter this morning, I think it's time for some reporters to break the story. You know, it's a big deal. 
for the for the men's national team. This is news. Let's hear what the news is. Uh, the implications of the news may be damaging in some way, but like as journalists, and I'm like an old school newspaper reporter over here, old man bells. <laughs> they you you can't game out the implications and decide whether something is newsworthy or not. This is newsworthy. We need to know what happened with Weston. Somebody's got to break that story. That's my position. I'm sticking to it. Because obviously the, it, it's definitely not just contained to within the locker room. You can't just say like, oh, well, maybe the information they're keeping that tight a seal on it. Yeah. Like obviously Donovan has it. A lot of the other reporters are sort of hinting about what they know about it or that hinting that they know what it was right. and just aren't you know going to share it. Uh, so yeah, so we are just, we're left to be like, okay, well, we'll just play without Weston McKenney indefinitely. Yeah. He, one of the leaders of the team kicked out of the, kicked out of the squad in the middle of a world cup qualifying window. That is not going well. That is not going well. So let's, um, oh, and then, oh yeah, let's do the lineups. So, uh, Matt Turner in goal, Dest, Miles, Brooks, and Robinson across the back line. Adams at the six, Acosta and Leggett at the eights, and then Aronson, Pifak, and Pulisic across the front line. Uh, Reyna was hurt. Reyna suffered a hamstring injury against El Salvador, so he wasn't there. Um, that's a that's a big loss for us because we are basically dependent on hero ball from Pulisic to create danger in this game. And when you lose Reyna, you lose about 50% of your hero ball capacity. <laughs> so Yeah, you still have Pulisic and maybe a little bit of Dest, which, yeah. you know, Dest didn't give us a whole game of hero ball either. Uh, and then no addition to Reyna. So we knew Reyna was out. He wasn't in training uh, the day before the game, which was, you know, circulated. We knew he wasn't there, so there were questions about whether he'd be in. He wasn't, and we didn't bring a replacement in for him. So we uh, were going into this game with no Reyna. Way obviously dropped out before camp. Pulisic had not played yet because he just got over COVID and we elected not to replace Gio Reyna in the roster. Is that Jesus Ferrer's music playing at the Velasquez <laughs> household? It's always playing. Uh, any issues for you with the lineup though? I mean, not not really. Not really. I mean, uh, that, that I don't have a better idea. And I, and I thought, <laughs> I thought Dest, Dest outside of one moment looked very good at right back. Robinson looked quite good at left back in my opinion so if we're looking for positive data points you know those two as the right back and the left back it's a it seemed like it was a pretty solid outing for both of them with that with the exception of that one moment from desk which we'll get into all right i've got i've got my uh my adams i'm still wearing my adams as the eight hat when acosta is going to play in the game i want to play acosta at the six and i want to run adams a little bit higher up the field but i think i'm in you know i might be on a one-man island for that for that take yeah, I don't. I don't hate it. I just don't feel much about that take at all. <laughs> okay, Canada was <laughs> Canada was very well. I won't say that Canada was difficult for the U.S. to break down. That's an excellent way of putting it. <laughs> Here's how they lined up: uh, Borjan in goal, uh, Johnson, Alistair Johnson, Derek Henry, and Scott Kennedy across the back line as a three-man back, and then wingbacks were Larea, Richie Larea, and, and Ada Cookby. And then um, Eustachio and Mark Anthony K were the central midfielders. And then we got Hoylet, Laren, and Davies across the front line. Davies as the uh, danger man on the left wing. So let's just say right up front, Canada rotated for us. We wondered if they would. Uh, Davies obviously is the the big name. And uh, Eustachio, I think, deserves mention here for starting both Honduras and the U.S. But they took a point at home against Honduras. So a disappointing result for them. They still dropped uh, Buchanan and Jonathan David. 
from their lineup to play in Nashville on the road. So there was a bit of rotated rotation uh, for Canada. And then I just want to say I love how you put it where you said that it was hard for the U.S. to break their shape down. Uh, because, uh, and I think I've heard this theme in a couple of different reviews too. Uh, it's, we don't know if the U.S. was good enough to break them down because it felt like we just didn't try to break them down. We very much played very timidly, made timid decisions, not a lot of bravery to go into their amoeba, uh, just pass around the outside of it. And uh, Canada was happy to shift side to side and let us do that. Yeah. Lack of bravery, lack of execution, and lack of even like an attempt to do it for big portions of the game. We were just banging the ball long uh, from our center backs. So let's... um, we're we're way late with this podcast anyway. Let's just get through the timeline, the chronology, and uh, and move on. So uh, I don't have much in the first ten minutes, but I did see that Pulisic was fouled in a dangerous area after Anthony Robinson poked the ball away from somebody in a, in a high press, and then we got two poor set pieces from that. Um, ninth, Pulisic on the set pieces, right? Yeah. So you know, we've <laughs> seems like we've had a lot of trouble get just getting, you know solid service from set pieces you know uh, who's hit a couple of good set pieces for us is that kellen acosta he has and he you know he took a free kick from the top of the box in this game that didn't go so well but yeah he has he has hit a lot of good set pieces ninth minute adams and desk corral davies in the corner and i as good defense and it was notable because the crowd appreciated it so much that uh you know everybody was thinking about davies and worried about him um and i thought well two things i thought dest was I've got one thing. I think you have one thing. Dest was, <laughs> Dest was uh, pretty good at corralling Davies in general, but so like, let's just note that he had the big mistake in the 14th minute. But otherwise, he was. I thought he he was fine against Davies. He also had some help, right? Yeah, that's the big thing. So even though I was on on my uh, Acosta as the six tip, and I think Acosta could do this too, but we don't know. Whereas we did see that Adams as the six gives you that uh, supplemental support to help corral an Alfonso Davies, which is not easy to do. Um, and so you can you could say it's not good that we have to use a whole player to help our right back to contain Alfonso Davies. But I think that's just the nature of building redundancies into defense. And as redundancies go, Tyler Adams is an excellent one. Yeah. Yeah, he's he was he was good at that. Both sides really. Um ninth minute, I noticed a good run from Acosta and I'm gonna every time I saw some some purposeful off ball movement, I was ready to uh, be excited about it. So Acosta makes a good run from deep in behind. And this is an example of the execution not being good enough. Dest tries to deliver him a ball over the top and it just doesn't get enough air on it, under it and, it and it gets cut out. It, it looked like it was kind of on. I mean, I don't know. You know, I'm not putting all my chips on Acosta receiving the ball in behind and then like making something happen to score a goal. But at least it was a it was a it was a try. <laughs> so ten minutes in, you were look, you were taking any small victory you could get already. Well, you know, ten minutes, yes, but also twenty minutes in. There's that clip going around on Twitter of uh, Brooks and Burhalter and Adams, you know, sort of talking over what was going on in the game. And Brooks looked exasperated at like the eight nineteenth minute. He's like, he's he pull, puts his arms out, and uh, we'll try to get into more of that. So eleventh minute, an errant pass from Brooks. Hoylet plays Laren in behind. Laren is. Uh, you know, he takes a shot from a kind of a tight angle, not the worst angle, and it's just weak, and he doesn't even really test Turner. Danger adjacent, he was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, very clearly uh, had no intention of actually scoring on that shot. Like, he was he was fulfilling an obligation 
just to make sure that a shot was attempted. Yeah. He made his way, you know, Laren did make his way to danger in this game, but he was danger adjacent for a while. 14th minute, we get this huge error from Dest, which is going to, you know, stick in a lot of people's minds. He misjudges a ball from Borhan, the goalkeeper. That is just, a, he just wallops it towards Davies on the left wing. And, um, and Dest has position. He has a, he has every opportunity to get between the ball and Davies, but he kind of overruns it and then he kind of swings at it with his right foot. And Davies just steps right in, happy to receive the gift of a free pass into the box and squares it for Laren, or actually cuts it back for Laren a little bit, whose shot is palmed wide by Turner. A good save. Yeah, and I, I couldn't tell for sure if this ball was going on frame. I think it might have been going a little bit wide. Uh, I'm not sure how that is reflected, if, if that's the case. Not sure how it's reflected in his uh, magnificent stats to this point. Um, but, uh, you know, just the actual, you know, technique and, and physical ability there, again, shows that Matt Turner is a good one. We got a good one there. Yeah, he's he he. You feel good with him in goal, honestly. Um, Fifteen, and then for ahead. Davies, I'm just going to do my little Davies bit here. This, if 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 you aren't, if you're listening to this podcast, I've, I assume you know Alfonso Davies pretty well. But if not, uh, just a great introduction to him because this long ball, when when the camera pans over to show, you know, Dest getting underneath it, uh, he has such a massive advantage over Davies positionally um, that most of the time this is such a nothing play that. If it's not Davies, the winger probably doesn't even chase after it. It's one of those like, uh, like there's nothing here. Leave it for them. They'll reset to their keeper or whatever. But because it's Alfonso Davies and he does decide, I'm going to go after this, you can see the body language of everyone change. And the fact that it's Davies coming after him probably contributes to Dest's misplaying of this ball. Uh, and then once the mistake is made and Davies takes control of the situation... You just can't like take the control back from Alfonso Davies. It's almost impossible, certainly without any redundancy. So here's that situation without an Adams helper uh, and it just being 1v1 that you we don't want to see a lot of those uh, over the course of 90 minutes against Alfonso Davies. Yeah, you can't get the ball back from him without basically conceding a penalty or uh, getting a yellow card. The next thing I've got in the timeline is uh, Robinson dribbling about dribbling straight ahead about 30 yards on the left, and the crowd just started to go wild to see somebody move in a vertical direction with the ball. <laughs> uh, he did, And then he just tapped it to Pulisic, who cut in on his right foot as he did most of the game. But it just gives you an idea. The enthusiasm that was greeted with gives you an idea of how limp we looked in the attack. Um, 18th minute, uh, Brooks hits a diagonal to Legette and it goes out of bounds over his head. So we're just not, if, if our plan was to hit diagonals and try to, try to disorganize the opponent that way, that wasn't even working. It wasn't, we weren't executing on the basics of that pattern. Uh, I hit my notes here. I'm saying we just need some kind of coordinated, even ad hoc coordinated movement in zone 14 and zone 14 adjacent areas. Uh, because it looked like, to me, like Aronson and Peacock just didn't know what to do. They're just like hanging out with the center backs. Nobody's checking the ball. So then you don't get any, you don't get that second. Like I said, you don't get that second run. You don't get that. You don't make space available to anybody else. Ugh. That was, that was one of the big things I noticed too, was this tendency for everyone to race away from the ball. So we, we finally make like a progressive pass. A lot of times it would still be around the amoeba. So it might be to Serginho Dest out on the wing. We've, we've hit it to him with a little bit of time to look up and see what's in front of him. And what he would see would be Brendan Aronson running upfield, Jordan Peefock running upfield, Pulisic is nowhere near him, 
The eights are probably a little bit behind him in the play still, Leggett and Acosta. So there's just, he has nothing to do but try to advance the ball on the dribble and do basically Serginho Dest hero ball. And uh, I kind of go back to, I don't, we don't know what the instructions are from Burhalter in the camp, but publicly, publicly, Burhalter has made a huge uh, show of talking about verticality. And I, I almost feel like if that's now overemphasized to the point that, you know, everyone's running away, uh, it's such a departure from what we had seen through 2019 in possession, where even though it was Jazzy Zardes, he was always sort of coming back into midfield. We saw it with Jesus Ferreira in 2020. Uh, Legette was a false nine against Wales. But since that Wales game, there's been a ton of emphasis uh, on verticality. And we haven't been seeing the forward come back and get involved uh, the way that we used to. And I don't know if I don't know if that would help solve things for us, but. Um, it didn't look good to just have everybody drifting away from the soccer ball all the time. Yeah, I mean, you've talked you talk about that piston action, the, the 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 striker coming back to the ball that provides the opportunity for the verticality from the other guy. If everybody's if you have comprehensive verticality, everybody moving away from the ball, then it's just everybody's going for a jog with the center back, you know, going for a jog with their friend. Right. No, no, like the defense, you're not making the defense make any kind of decisions. They already start out goal side of you. When you run at them, they just keep dropping back and everything's everything's just fine for them. They'll let the midfield clean up everything in front of them. There are a lot of instances of this where there's nowhere where, I mean, it, it often falls on Aronson. I think he's the one I think of as the one who's most likely to check back into that space. And he wasn't doing it. And I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there, we've talked in the past about how U.S., U.S. players in general don't have that sort of team-wide collective instinct for movement that you see from, like, Mexico, for instance, uh, a team that we did beat twice this past summer. But but they, you know, they that second run, that third run, they seem to happen sort of naturally, organically for them, and they don't seem to happen for the U.S. Uh, so I I do I am a little confused in my own mind. Is it like. Is it all Berhalter's fault? Is he? Is it partly the player pool's fault? How much can he? How much can he dictate that that kind of thing happen in these games without it being sort of second nature? I don't know. Right, and and I don't think that he can necessarily ever build to like a true eleven man harmony like you want to have, and like maybe Mexico does with with the way they're you know brought up in the game. Uh, but I sure think we should be able to see three and four and five man patterns at least where, where there's that harmony. And we, we talk about how, uh, you know, it gets, when, when you don't see that, it almost gets difficult to diagnose what the problem is because it is, it, it's five people doing little things, not quite right. Rather than just one person having a shocker. Uh, so you can't just say, Oh, well this guy has been almost sometimes we have, we have the one guy having a shocker, but yeah. more it's yeah. just like, no one's doing anything particularly terrible. Like you don't look at it and say, uh, you know, Brendan Aronson just making horrible decisions out there. It's like, well, you need one person to key this movement for the next man and the next man. And so it's, it does get hard to diagnose and we might fall into some sort of lazy uh, critiques like, well, they're just young and uh, you know, it's CONCACAF and it's really difficult qualifying, but I, I, I kind of don't buy those. I feel like it has to be on the coach a little bit after a three year, three years into the project. Like we should be able to see some, some level of like development in these areas. It shouldn't look like we're two weeks into a youth soccer season. Right. Okay. Um, let's see. Robinson gets a shot in the 21st minute after legit wins the ball high. So another opportunity created from, uh, from the press Robinson's shot draws a little bit of a save from Borhan. Uh, 23rd minute, 
Acosta intercepts a poor ball out from the, that Canadian goalkeeper, slips it to Pulisic, slips it to Aronson. Aronson gets little brother off the ball. Our, like you were talking, you're talking about patterns in the final third. Even when we get into the final third, patterns to get to goal, there's just nothing going on here. It's just like two, two or three guys in the middle of the field, just not. It didn't seem like they had any idea what to do. Um, I mean, these are these are tough moments. It's hard to score goals in soccer. I'm not going to try to make it seem like it's all easy, but uh, yeah, we need we need a little bit more of an idea. Uh, which Pulisic himself said after the game, we need new ideas at times. He said. Uh, yeah, and people are reading that as a as a Burhalter criticism. I don't think it's necessarily that pointed. Uh, it can definitely be just team wide. Like if you're not all sure what's going on, uh, you need some better ideas. Right. I mean, the man plays. It's <laughs> played with so many good players. Anyway, uh, <laughs> clocked a couple wasteful wasteful moments from Legette. Uh We don't need to get into them too much. Let's skip. Let's skip ahead. No, no, I got to have one, and I I don't have the timestamp on it. But there was one because we talk about these transition moments and we talk about bravery. And there was a really bad one for me uh, where the ball sort of, it didn't fall. I think somebody played it into his feet. So we'd won it and it was transition. He got it played into his feet, 35, 40 yards from goal. No one around him looks up and has to his left, right at the top of the box. He has a Costa and Pulisic. It would have been like a, di- a forward progressive diagonal. And he like looks them off. And it, that that's the one that's like, I'll end up clipping that one because that's the mind blowing one where as a team and, and legit in particular in this case, we must be brave and we must actually go like go. We have the advantage here. They're not set up in their block, which has been very effective for them. Go get in that space, force the issue. If we give it away on uh, you know, because it's low percentage, that's fine. That's soccer, but you have to actually press your advantage there. And instead he like looked it off, circulated it to the right. And you know, we just kept the possession. It's, it's about pressing even the slightest advantage. You know, if we have one, if we've eliminated one guy somehow, by taking the ball from them when when they're in possession, then we have to go. Like you just said, we have to go. And I it just didn't feel that sense of urgency from Legette. And I know that's been a criticism of Sebastian Legette all over the internet for months. And I and I, we've even criticized him a little bit for that this summer. But yeah, definitely that. And I had a, I clocked a moment in the which I will skip later, but in the 35th minute where he he receives the ball, uh, I think from Dest. And so Dest pass cancels Davies and Legette receives it from Dest. And then he, he could turn and dribble into 40 yards of space. 40 is probably an exaggeration. Let's say 25 yards of space. <laughs> and he doesn't, he just, he's just, he's too worried. He's too worried about losing the ball. So he's just pirouettes this way, pirouettes that way. And then ends up tapping it back to Dest. And boy, oh boy. I mean, me and the people I was sitting with in the stadium were like, dude, you got, you have to take that opportunity um, it's not like we're swimming in chances here. And I, and I don't know if that's because he's an eight and he feels like he has to be more ball secure rather than when he, in the past when he played higher up the field and it was his job, you know, specifically to run, you know, put that pressure on defenses. But in any event, we need more of it from that position. We can't be that safe. Yeah. Well, I noticed it was Richie Ledesma's birthday yesterday. <laughs> you did. You just happened upon that. And, and happened to think it was worth mentioning. All right, where are we at? Um, 26th minute, Dest works a couple guys up the line. It's some some very good Serginio Dest hero ball and then slips it to Aronson. And Aronson gets it out wide and, and whips a ball in, headed on goal by a Canadian defender. So almost got an own goal out of it. Draws a good save from Borjan. Uh, worth 
pointing out that Dest was, uh, pointing out again that Dest was outside of that bad air, quite good in the first half. And he worked Davies in this moment, too. Yep. And, and that's what, when we eliminate those defenders. I'll even kind of take a little bit of issue with Aronson's decision here. We eliminate those def- defenders enough to take out their whole left side of their defense. And we slip Brendan Aronson into the box. Uh, we, we can't just stop playing soccer there. And this is where I start to have issues with our patterns in the attacking third once we get there in the box. Uh, and again, I picked up on this even back in the Switzerland game. Like we're too ready to just be like, okay, now let's hit it into the mixer rather than, you know, the dominoes have already started falling here thanks to the technical ability of Serginho Dest. Aronson can make another domino come out to him and now there would be fewer dominoes. I know this is technically not how dominoes work. You want a lot of them in a tight space. <laughs> You don't want fewer. There would be fewer Canadian defenders in the box. Uh, oh, to, no, go back to the dominoes, to... please. <laughs> so, but Des got, Des started it, and then we just stopped the the falling too too soon. And we got, you know, a little, the best possible outcome there was the chance we got with a little bit of a lucky bounce off uh, Canada. But I, I just wish we would continue to play soccer and continue to press that advantage that we have. Rather than being like, okay, we have a little bit of a window. I'm just going to whip fire a, fire a ball into the box, yeah. into the mixer. Take a few touches, see if there's somebody arriving at the top of the box and cut it back to him or something, you know. Drive at the near post, yeah. Okay. Uh, 27th minute was a good example of Aronson and Pifak occupying the same space. Again, it's Dest with the ball, this time higher up the pitch, attacking the corner of the box from the right side. And just Aaron, I noticed this. I think you clipped it already. Aronson and Pifak occupying essentially the same space with center backs on either shoulder on each of their shoulders and neither of them checks back to the ball which is a problem because Pulisic's making a very good near post run I thought you know really coming into the box arriving in the box as his old boss Frank Lampard would say and and Aronson doesn't check away to draw the center back to draw the center back away from that space. he all, So he doesn't make himself available to Dest. There's really nobody for Dest to pass to. And also he doesn't vacate that space to make it available to his teammate. So it's like that standing there as you're, as somebody else is dribbling is driving me nuts. And I don't, I can't understand how our national team is, is like that so much. Right. You, you can, you just look at their hips, right? Both Pfock and Aronson are just standing in the box, hips facing the goal. Like what, what's the expectation there? Are you just waiting for him to shoot and scoring a rebound? Uh, Acosta on that sequence is actually making a good run from behind to try to like full speed get to the corner to attack that space, which again, isn't, it's a decoy. It's just to draw a defender two or three steps in that direction to again, pull them out of the middle even slightly. But yeah, you need, uh, Dest needs some kind of a backboard there. Somebody show your hips and your body to Dest so that he has a little backboard to combine off of if he needs it. Uh, but we just, we never, we never looked like we were ready to give that option. And that's, that's, that contributes to why we're doing so much hero ball because I mean, what other option did he have there besides hero ball or fired into the mixer? Yeah. Or, or, or turn and pass it backward to Miles Robinson. Yeah. (sighs) (laughs) It's an, an appropriate sigh. Um, 31st minute, we get Pulisic doing some hero ball, dribbles a few guys on the left and hits a sharp ball across the top of the box for Leggett, who's who I think makes a good decision to try to hit it first time. He's, he doesn't make good contact. It gets deflected up and over for a corner. Uh, 32nd minute, on the ensuing corner, there's a counterattack and John Brooks gets a yellow, t- a yellow card for taking out Davies, which is probably wise, I think. Got to do it. Can't, can't let him get out in the open. No. 36 minute 
a good chance for the U.S. Robinson bangs a ball. And I mean, not Joga Bonito by any stretch, but Robinson just kind of lifts a ball into the box from the left side. PFOC battles for it, falls to Pulisic, who sort of battles for it again. And then it comes back to PFOC and he runs onto it at the corner of the six-yard box, flashes a shot just wide. It did look like the far corner was there for the taking. And it was a decent, you know, decent chance. I mean, a scrappy chance, but still a decent one. I don't know. Yeah, Pivak had had the guy sort of draped on him and, and just managed to get the shot off. Nice little lunge at the end, which I think is a good good technique for any forwards watching. Like that's actually a good technique, so you don't have to take those three prep steps to get your feet right. Okay, fortieth minute, we get a big chance for the U.S. Brooks lofts a ball wide right. Legit brings it down and slips it wide to Aronson after some uh, you know some good work to bring the ball down and and uh, I don't know pirouette I guess. Slip it wide. Uh, Aronson plays a good low ball into the six for Pulisic, who's making a good run at the near post. And uh, Pulisic's shot rings off that near post. So very close, but not not a goal. And and I'll uh, I'll give I'll say here the difference between this Aronson ball in and the last one is this didn't feel like a hopeful ball in. This was legit cutting people out to free Aronson, and then Aronson had the path for that direct pass on the floor to Pulisic and Pifak, who somehow both had like the position to to get to it and it's just that just shows the difficulty of executing that at high speed yeah but but that that one spot on from aronson yeah and it was kind of a weird diagonal from brooks it's not like one that's going to go in his highlight reel of, of diagonal balls because it was a little short but um but legit was able to get to it before the defender so we've talked, yeah, we've talked about the back shoulder throwing football. This was almost like a little bit different, where he he almost like put it so close to the defender, like putting it between the uh, a wide receiver and the cornerback, that the cornerback gets the big eyes thinking he's going to get it, but it's it's like just bad enough to be excellent because he can't quite. So Legette actually takes it at, like at full speed on his chest, which is not usually how you would take that ball. So uh, well improvised from Legette and and sort of just trying to capitalize on that little uh, uncertainty surrounding that whole play. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 41st minute desk goes down with an injury, which is not great uh, for this game or the next one. And Yedlin comes on and there's a, there's a legit volley in the 46th minute that I clocked just because he hit it well. And it was a decent idea. He hit it. He made good contact. He missed the goal by, you know, four or five yards and the half comes and goes. No, uh, no changes from Burhalter. Uh, he, he rarely does make changes at the half. Could you? Would you have liked to see any changes? Uh, I I don't think there were necessarily personnel changes. Uh, you know, I, there were definitely instructions. I think that needed to be given to show like a, a change in how we were trying to possess through the block. You know, if he wasn't expecting Canada to be that, I don't want to say reactive, but that willing to concede possession. Um, there were there were things we needed to clean up of how we attacked it. Uh, there maybe one style change would have been uh, Sergeant for Pifak in that game. And, and you could even made a case that Sergeant would have been a better fit to start this game entirely than PFOC because again, Sergeant is more comfortable coming back uh, to my mind, at least to come back and, and be a part of the possession in midfield. Um, if PFOC can do that, he certainly wasn't in this game and we haven't seen too much of that from him generally. Yeah. We, I mean, we're not, I'm not saying Sergeant is amazing at it, but I think it's fair to say he's more, we've seen more evidence that he can do it at this point than we have of PFOC. Um, I wasn't gonna, you know, I wasn't gonna call for Sergeant to come on at the half. Uh, 
while the game was happening. Of course, retroactively, I would I could say now, maybe maybe it wouldn't made sense. But you, you could have also just, again, you could have also fixed that with instructions, with halftime, like, okay, we need more. One of you, you guys got to coordinate this. Somebody needs to be move, flashing to the ball carrier rather than everyone just showing them their butts. There needs to be somebody flashing to the ball, and there's then there then there need to be people arriving towards the guy flashing to the ball, as uh, maybe not towards him, but arriving in a way that gives that that person flashing to the ball an uh, an option to pass to. And I honestly, we never saw the latter because we never saw the former. <laughs> you know, we never saw anybody. We rarely saw anybody flashing the ball, so we never. We don't even know if that would have happened if the second part would have happened. Uh, but we did get a goal in the 55th minute, and it came off the press. Aronson wins the ball off of Scott Kennedy, uh, slips it to Peafock. Peafock's pass to Pulisic is a little behind him, and uh, Pulisic has to get come back to get it. And he gets wrecked by Mark Anthony K, and it is a foul, but the ref plays advantage. Yeah, great, great stuff here from Mark Anthony K, to be honest, or or at least half of a great play. The right decision to come in and wreck Pulisic. And this isn't just like, oh, wreck their best player. This is these transition moments that tons of modern soccer is built around preventing is as soon as there's a transition moment, open field gets really hard to defend in these moments. Just foul them. Just foul. Reset your block bunker. Uh, we already talked about Bob Morocco. No, on this, on this recording, no. uh, Bob Morocco has made a great point that in, in 2021, what we think of as normal defending would have definitely been considered bunker defending, uh, 10 years ago because you're just leaving one striker up. Everyone else defends. Um, so it's all about like eliminate these full speed running downhill situations for the opponent. And that's what Mark Anthony K was trying to do. I don't think he was trying to win that ball. He was trying to wreck Pulisic. Unfortunately, he wrecked the ball directly to Tyler Adams, uh, who very readily played it forward to Jordan P. Fox. So that the referee recognized that we had something going here, uh, and let play continue. Belzy keep taking it from there. Yeah. And then from there on, so it wasn't really a real crisp sequence from P. Fox up until this point, but then P. Fox receives it from Adams. He plays it to Acosta. Acosta drives down the left channel and then taps it to an overlapping Robinson. And then Robinson plays a good firm ball low to Brendan Aronson, who is unmarked arriving in the box and he slides and stabs it home and it's 1-0 and it was pretty i thought pretty cathartic you know even though it came it was a goal that came off the press there was at least a passing sequence that ensued from the press and it was nice to watch and see the joy was right. short lived though yeah and and people are saying we need more of this kind of passing and this kind of ball movement and and i i just don't think that really scans there was no there were no opportunities almost zero opportunities in that game for us to get that kind of ball movement because again, this came on a throw-in where they Canada threw it to their center back, and he just basically tripped on the ball, and then his recovery touch was loose, and Aronson pounced on it. But it was us attacking three center backs and K coming back into the play. So this, you know, situation almost never presented itself. We can't just make Canada open up and allow us to have this kind of space. So I'm glad we exploited it at the time it showed up, but we still need to focus on how we break them down the other 90% of the time. Yeah. I mean, good on Aronson for not, not just for winning the ball, but for, for providing the final touch and, you know, good on Acosta and Robinson for what they did in the, in the buildup and PFOC and Adams. But, um, it was a broken play to use a, you know, to use a analogy from football again, from American football again, it was the, the Canadian players. A lot of them stopped when Pulisic was fouled. So there's, a, I think there's a little bit of a caveat on this. Even as a goal scored from the run of play in a, in the press, it 
I don't think if if I don't think if the if that foul happens, Canada, you know, Mark Anthony K doesn't stop moving, and yeah, it doesn't happen no, it was, in the same it was, way. It was Pulisic actually on the ground, like sealing K off because K fouled him, but Pulisic's body like prevented K from then closing down where the ball went next to Adams, who could then hit it into a passing lane that was open because K couldn't pursue. Uh, yeah, and, and we don't need to, you know, we also don't need to apologize for scoring this goal. Like this is the whole point. Like when teams make those mistakes, punish them ruthlessly, uh, which is awesome to see us do. It just also shows that, you know, for for like Herdman, for Canada, for teams we're going to play after this, I think that even shows more the importance of don't give the U.S. these kinds of moments at all costs. Give them the ball upfield and make them break down the block. Yeah, and I don't know if Herdman put his fist through a wall when that happened, but he sure did sub Kennedy off. For Kamal Miller, that was the next thing I had on the timeline in the 58th minute. So basically, as soon as the goal celebration settled down, uh, 60th, 61st minutes, a couple of dangerous corners. Pifak flicks one across and it's headed over by Henry. Then Yedlin fires a ball across and it's spilled by Borhan, but there's nobody there to clean it up. And this is an, another little nick against uh, Pifak for me is if he's going to be the scrappy, opportunistic keeper, I want her, I want him, a, you know, challenging for. Uh, for a ball that's sprayed in there um, or just whipped in there, hopefully. I want him challenging it and getting getting to it if the goalkeeper spills it. And he's just kind of, you know, hanging out with his friend Derek Henry in this moment. I mean, that's harsh, but it's, it's, uh, he, he, he wasn't, he wasn't on his toes. Even, even if you're the possession forward, we still want you doing that too, right? I said, to be honest, you want any of your forwards doing that, even if they're the possession forward. Yeah, you want, <laughs> You want you want your forward doing that stuff, yeah, for sure. So, sixty second minute. This is the Canadian goal. The really took the air out of the this international window so far, honestly. And it's uh, out of Cookby. It's not so it doesn't come from counterattack. It doesn't come from anything super complicated that Canada does. They're just working the ball around the back to their wing back on the left side, and he plays plays it down the line for Davies. Yedlin is, I think, maybe picking daisies. The camera angle doesn't. The camera uh, work on this goal. You don't get to see what Yedlin is, how Yedlin is responding to Davies before the ball is played. But anyway, he's Yedlin's way behind the play by the time Davies arrives at it, and he can't, like you mentioned earlier, you can't get back in front of Davies once he has the ball, and he just shrugs Yedlin off as he comes on him, comes onto his right shoulder, and uh, and then. Davies just plays the ball, plays a sharp ball across the face of goal, and Kyle Aaron taps it in. Nobody's marking him. I uh, I think Brooks seems to me Brooks should have been marking Laren or should have been tracking him a little better. Well, like for, right off the bat, I think we have to ask: Could Matt Turner have done better here? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, fair enough. I also don't think Matt Turner could have done better. We have to ask because we haven't seen Matt Turner give up a goal in so long that we haven't been able to ask that oh, question. Yeah. Uh, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to establish right here whether or not if any of this is on him. Uh, yeah, Brooks should have uh, done a better job of tracking that runner. It's it's tough because they they are getting into that space where like you don't follow him all the way into the goal. You do eventually like stop, uh, and you know then there's a lane that. There, a pass can't go through because it would be the goalkeeper's ball. It's just Brooks stopped too early, and and this still goes back to you know what we were talking about with Mark Anthony K blowing up Pulisic. You try to blow players up and foul them before you get to this situation. Uh, 
we just never even had a chance to do that. Can I, can I go back a little further into please, the build up for do. this? So it was it was Canada had been attacking had kind of had a sustained attack that they'd come down their left side, they'd gotten across in, we cleared it and it ended up out on the right side. They kind of went in again and we cleared it again, but it was out on our left side of the field, Canada's right. And it was just kind of a lazy switch of play across their entire back line, one man at a time, didn't even skip anyone. And we were just really slow to shift from left to right as a team. Aronson went in, and this is a communication thing for me, but since we were all still on our left side predominantly, uh, because I think people think of this as a transition goal because of how wide open our box was uh, for this to happen, but it was just because we were still so predominantly on the left, they're lazy switching around the side. Aronson didn't seal off uh, the center back so they could just play it out to the sideline. That means Legette has like 45, 50 yards to cover, so he's doing that, but even he isn't respecting how open that side of the field is. So he cuts off like the pass into the middle rather than going in to actually close down Canada and prevent them from advancing vertically. And Yedlin's the same. Yedlin's like still high up the field and it's just like it hasn't registered to anyone. Adams is nowhere near this play, even though he's our guy who should be, you know, moving side to side as well. I'm not putting this on Adams. I'm saying that's how slow we were to shift from left to right. That by the time they hit it to, to Davies in behind, it looks like a transition moment because we're so exposed. It does. Yeah, it does look like a, a transition moment. And I, I guess initially I put that all on Yedlin, but I hadn't really I hadn't really considered that we were so slow to switch as a team. Well, Yedlin, it is on Yedlin. I mean, he he uh, he takes a poor angle and he like is too high. He cut. He tries to as they're hitting the pass. He like cuts ahead of Davies uh, upfield, thinking he's going to like cut off the pass down the down the line and. Those three steps, again, that's all it takes. Now you're never going to catch up to Alfonso Davis. And Laren, it's not like Laren did anything super sophisticated in his uh, arrival in the box either. He just he just ran across the face of Brooks towards the back post. Brooks just kind of kept running back towards the goal. Like you said, maybe stopped a little bit early. And there it is, 1-1. Maybe maybe we'd had possession so much of this game that we just had lost track of how to stay tight as a unit because we again we were just so open so mm-hmm. spread out between Legette all the way at the sideline Tyler Adams as the nominal closest center midfielder to him still at like the center vertical line of the field we were we were just all over the shop for fifteen seconds and that's all it took sixty fifth minute uh, Buchanan comes on for Hoylet and David on for Laren. So that's three Canada subs before we make a sub if you don't count Yellen on for the injured Dest. And then six... Kind, kind of a terrifying sub, too. I don't know if, how you felt, but I was like, oh, man. Uh, I think I think it was uh, Half Spaces who had done his, his sort of analysis on, on us recently and saying after the Gold Cup, after the El Salvador game, basically like the U.S.'s style at this point is just to be airtight defensively and then score a goal any which way you can late in the, late in the game. And when Canada made these subs, all I was thinking of was like, we would not be the favored team to get another goal over the next 25 minutes. Yeah. And I think if you like work out the run of play over the last 30 minutes, it's, that's that's how it played out. You know, I don't think we're any more likely to score a goal than they were. Um, yeah. And Buchanan is Buchanan was a problem immediately when he came on. He's a, he's a very good player. Uh, 67th minute we get a decent chance or Canada gets a decent chance for K with a free shot at the top of the box. He's fed by Jonathan David from the left. So David just kind of corrals the ball down on the left side dribbles, uh, dribbles at Yedlin, but not really at him. And then, and then 
plays it back to the top of the box and you know it was a, it the shot went over the crossbar but it's like we do we really want to give a free shot from 20 yards away at that point in the game you know we're about to we're about to get we're about to lose to Canada at home in a world cup qualifier <laughs> we got Matt Turner we we have Matt Turner that's what we were okay. banking on there i'm sure that was <laughs> what we were thinking 69th minute uh adam starts a counterattack up the right side uh by you know by taking the ball from K I think and then he just wrecks K off the ball for um at the, for a yellow card foul against Pulisic a, a few moments earlier and K had been fouling Pulisic a lot it seemed like a, a, you know referenced the the goal we scored he he fouled him pretty cynically in that moment too so I honestly don't hate the the like sentiment from Adams to like to do something to enforce uh you know be the enforcer but. He was a little too obvious about it, and it killed our counterattack. It killed because you know, I think we had actually a pretty decent attacking moment there, and it just gets it, it just gets oh, yeah. wiped up, wiped off. Outside of the goal, this was Aronson's best moment of the game for me. I wasn't actually that impressed with Aronson. Uh, I wasn't impressed with a ton of players, but uh, I thought a lot of my concerns about Aronson were still present here uh, throughout this game. But this was an amazing, and, and of course, he's really good in transition moments, and this was one of those. But he hit a fantastic ball over, I think, to. Did he free up Anthony Robinson? Is that who, who was running onto that pass? It was somebody on the left. I, it's, it had to be Robinson, yeah. Uh, which was just great, and I'm sure we had a goal coming off of it. Uh, so <laughs> I don't, I don't love. I'm not exactly sure how XG works, but since we were behind our XG for the window so far, that definitely would have resulted in a goal. Definitely. Uh, I don't. I, so I, I don't, I'm not happy that it broke up that play, Adam's decision. And then the other thing is like, I don't know. I don't want our players taking yellow cards, like. When you absolutely have to for a competitive, you know, reason like Brooks did to Davies earlier, sure take it. But like what that means is Adams is going to get suspended eventually in this window. The question is going to be for a lot of guys for yellow card accumulation. The question for a lot of players is: Are you going to get suspended for two games or one? So if you get if you rack up these yellow cards cheaply, you could be suspended for two or even three games of the window uh, if you're getting one every two games. So I I don't want us taking these these yellows cheaply. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not condoning sorry, the fact sorry that he to got a scold. yellow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do like that he wants to defend Pulisic and he's going to make a, but you know, he has to find a more, uh, a subtler way to do it. I think, um, 74th minute, we get a Brooks lofted ball to Peafock and he has a chance to head it wide to Aronson in space. You know, he's like kind of at the top of the box. Aronson's running free to his right. You know, he's facing away from goal and he tries to, he tries to nod it into Aronson's path, but he just can't execute. Um, and then 77th minute, Herdman makes two more subs. Osorio's on for Davies, and Hutchinson's on for K. So, like, who's trying to, you know, who's trying to get a win here and late in the game in Nashville? Sure doesn't look like Greg Berhalter was. Uh, I mean, that's you know that's harsh, but why not start making subs earlier? Like, it's not working. Let's let's do it. So my, my, my thought here is that basically Berhalter doesn't trust the guys, the guys he had on the bench. Because I, I, I think, you know, depending on that level of trust, that is a perfectly legitimate reason to not make subs. Like if you think that there's just a significant drop off in quality uh, to bring on Roldan over, you know, one of our ex- wingers out there, um, then I can see not doing it. Like, yes, he's fresh, but a fresh Roldan also isn't going to, run behind on goal, run behind on goal. You know what I mean? So uh, 
there there is that give and take there. Um, but I I think that we did. I think it's like fresh legs in some places could have been more of a boost than whatever the quality gap was. Specifically, like I think like a Conrad for an Aronson could have happened sooner. Sergeant for PFOC could have happened sooner. Those um, are the two that come to mind for me. You know. Yeah. And, and part of this too is this game was we were in so much control of possession that also it, it's a lot less work. This wasn't a track meet where it's up and back and up and back and up and back. So I could see them thinking like no one's PFOC isn't necessarily totally gassed at this point. You know, like our central midfielders aren't totally gassed. Uh, so if these are the guys we think are better, I'm I'm, I'm actually kind of saying you can make it. You can see how uh, you delay on the subs here. There are knock on effects, of course, for adding minutes to these guys for the third game. Uh, but as far as trying to trying to get those two points back in this game, I'm actually not as like totally upset about the sub situation uh, as I think most other folks are. Well, Burhalter's answer in the press conference afterwards was we were assessing the performance of the players on the field and nobody and everybody was performing to to the to the standard. Uh, so they did we couldn't you know we couldn't figure out basically who to take off. And, uh, I, you know, I, we don't know what metrics he's using or how he's arriving at that decision. But uh, in any case, uh, he, he also acknowledged that it, it looks bad. It would it would look bad to some people to not make a sub until the 83rd minute. So um, 78th minute before our subs come on, Buchanan works our left flank after an errant pass from Aronson in the attack, leaves Robinson hung out to dry. Uh Tijan flashes a ball across the face of goal. It didn't really look threatening that he was going to score, but he he tried to cross it and it just flashed through. 83rd minute, we make our Burhalter makes his triple sub. It's Sergeant for Pifak, uh, Conrad De La Fuente for Aronson, and Roldan for Leggett. And I thought Sergeant was bright immediately. He drew a foul 25 yards from goal in the 85th minute. Pull a six free kick went over pretty comfortably. Uh, I think Sergeant had a couple other nice little moments of coming back to the ball and connecting play. But um, at this point, it's uh, it just feels like it's not going to happen. And 88th minute, uh, Larea and Hutchinson work our left flank again, and Larea zips the ball across the six. Nobody crashing for Canada, otherwise it's 2-1. And then 92nd minute, we do have a corner kick that Miles Robinson gets his head on, but he can't get it on frame. It was it was good defending by Canada again on that miles kick and, and this is where I like I like to do the side by sides because if you think about his goal against Mexico his chance against El Salvador where it's just him all by himself inside the six here I think they were both like him and his man both like dive at the ball his man has no intention of actually winning it he's just diving beside him like like buddy like buddy system got his arm around his shoulder just it's so difficult to successfully head a ball on goal no matter what way more difficult if with somebody draped all over you. Yeah. I mean, the partisan in me saw that and thought, you know, they should call a foul on that guy for that. <laughs> I know they never will, need, but yeah, my, my hope, my hope has always been for VAR to start calling those things because I just want more freedom of movement in the box. So if defenders know that the camera is going to catch them, even if the referee doesn't, and it's just a nailed on foul to wrap somebody up in the box. Uh, that's actually my big hope for VAR is that it opens up totally free movement in the box, which is, again, a, a, at this point would be unrecognizable. We take for granted just how much like shirt pulling and wrapping up happens. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the one thing that I wish VAR would solve for us. Yeah, the transition from what we have now to that would be a difficult one, I think, for a lot of defenders. Um, So we've got 
Honduras tomorrow night. What happens if we what happens if we don't win that game? What do you think what do you think should happen? Like you're you're Brian McBride or Ernie Stewart. <laughs> do you no, let's be clear. There's almost zero indication that Berhalter's job is in danger right now. He's he it seems like he's uh he's basically got a free pass. But let's it, grading against the optimal. If you're the <laughs> if you're the guy in charge and we don't get a win tomorrow night. Do you fire Burhalter? So I I honestly think that I fire Burhalter if we have a uh Costa Rica like a 2016 Costa Rica level performance where we went down to Costa Rica lost 4-0 and like the way we lost was just an embarrassment. Uh you know, we can play like I, I recognize that variance plays into these things and we could play a decent game of soccer and still lose and that shouldn't be the what spurs your decision. But if we go in and play a absolute horrendous game of soccer, uh, then I think we actually have some some sort of evidence to suggest that Burhalter doesn't actually get more out of this group than than anyone who again just rolls the ball out and says work hard here, fellas. So uh, which which is I know people think that's reactive coming off a summer where we won two trophies, but the evidence was there in that in those games as well. So the evidence that we can't uh, put together any kind of like uh, Im- impressive or effective game in possession is there. We didn't do it against Honduras. We didn't do it against Mexico in the Nations League. We didn't do it all through the Gold Cup. And then the big performance that we got against Mexico was very much driven by our off the ball work. So if there's a situation where teams have essentially found us out that if you just give the ball to the U.S. and then defend in a block, they can't beat you. Uh, like that, ha- that is worrying and. You know, how do you do you give a guy another window to prove that that's the case or to prove that he can uh, if the if the evidence to date suggests that it can't happen again? We, he's been the coach for three years with his stated mission to disorganize the opponent with the ball. Like if he if it's not happening now, when what would you say is the expectation for when that switch flips? Right. He just needs one or two more games and then it's and then it's happening. And, and there's and there's big reasons to be concerned about this game against Honduras because of the construction of the roster and the way we the way he rolled everybody out in the first the first game. We our our right back one of our right backs is hurt now. Uh, we didn't call anybody any other right backs in. Uh, we didn't make that decision. So Yedlin Yedlin, who's on a lot of minutes, is uh, you assume you assume he's going to start against Honduras. He's not very good at soccer, <laughs> and um. So the, you know, there's a lot of be, a lot of reasons to be pessimistic about Honduras. On the other hand, we can we can win that game. You know, we can win that game even if we play total like total crap. We could win that game because, because we have some really good players, right? Like we yeah. have to remember we have good players. After that Honduras win, where people were kind of like not impressed, us included in Nations League, uh, the morning of the Mexico game when it felt like it was you know impossible to beat the juggernaut that is Mexico. Some of us were still just like in our little chats, like, look, we have enough good players that we can beat Mexico in a 90 minute game of soccer. It took 120 minutes, <laughs> but like we have good players. You can just roll a ball out with good players and occasionally get results against other good teams uh, or on the road. Uh, can I do my CONCACAF away rant now that got scooped? Yeah, do it. Don't even uh, don't even talk about it getting scooped. You've been talking about this for weeks. OK, I got a scoop. OK, yeah, I, I've been talking for a while about the the sort of overstated uh 
difficulty of actually getting results away in CONCACAF. I understand it's difficult to play really good soccer away in CONCACAF, but we have a history of getting results away. Um, and people keep putting up our total record uh, of away CONCACAF games and saying, look, like it's really hard. We lo- look at all these games we lose or draw, but it's you almost have to separate it into two things. And this the scoop is, I think Paul Kennedy basically published this this morning for Soccer America. Uh, but if you if you separate out Mexico and Costa Rica versus the rest of the away field in CONCACAF, like it's totally different against against Mexico and Costa Rica since 1998 when the U.S. began participating in the hex uh, after he hosted 94. Mexico and Costa Rica away, zero wins, nine losses, three draws. You want to say it's impossible to take points from those teams? Fine. Like I'm all for saying that. Like we shouldn't expect points away to Mexico, away to Costa Rica. Even still, we know Costa Rica is a little bit down, so we could start to be like, maybe we can steal one this year. I don't know. But historically... I'm not not feeling that kind of optimism right now. Historically, I get it. Those things are impossible. The rest of the field away in CONCACAF in that time, and we're talking 18 games, we are eight wins, two two losses, eight draws. So we're actually averaging over a point a game in those those away fixtures. Uh, The last cycle, which was the huge disaster, if you take that out of it because you say well, why would we want to hold last cycle as the standard that we should be trying to reach? Take that away, and we've got eight wins, one loss, six draws in 15 games, exactly two points a game in those qualifiers. So it absolutely should not even be that the default expectation is a draw away. We're getting two points a game when we're not playing Mexico and Costa Rica. We should be expecting it. We have a really good team this year, a really talented team, I should say. Uh, El Salvador is one of the weaker teams. Honduras, middle of the pack, I think, like... It's, it isn't crazy. We can't just fall into like, what do you do? It's CONCACAF away. You can't, you can't expect anything. You should expect something. So yeah, that's, that's again, my big rant that we shouldn't just write off CONCACAF away is like, you can't do anything. We have historically done very well away outside of Mexico or Costa Rica. Good rant. Good rant, Greg. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. It's hard to argue with it's, um, and it, and it undercuts this idea that, okay, well, everything's fine. We just drew El Salvador. I, I don't think everybody's going to say everything's fine if we draw Honduras tomorrow night because that's three points. That's three points. Three points out of three games, and that's, I mean, combined with the loss to or the draw to Canada at home, that's just not good. That's not even close to good enough. And I think, um, I you know, I don't like to. I think you're the same way. I don't like to be like calling for coaches heads and like it for one thing it doesn't matter what i say you know like <laughs> it's just like I, i'm just like barking at the moon if i say that but i i sure um i sure don't have a lot of faith in berhalter right now and i um and if we can't somehow scratch out a result and regroup for the next window and when i say result i mean win t- tomorrow if we can't scratch out a win and regroup and come at it fresh in october then how could you complain if he's fired? It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's game time, you know, it's, it's crunch time. There's we can't, we can't mess around with this. If he's not getting it done, we need somebody in there who does get it done. Setting aside, I mean, admitting that there's variance and like if, if Miles Robinson puts that header on frame, then we, then we probably have four points right now. I'm talking about the one against El Salvador, but it's, uh, you know, we gotta we gotta get back to the World Cup, and like it's not acceptable to only have three points in the first window. That's that's a lot of games out of the World Cup qualifying slate that are done, and <laughs> we're not getting it done. 
and, and part of part of Berhalter's job is to is to set the team up in a way that sort of overcomes that variance. We've talked about that too, where you know we are we all know the caveats that apply to single game XG, but even trying to like hide behind that uh, is is thin ice for Berhalter. I think I think he actually said like after the El Salvador game, you look at our XG, we should have scored a goal, and that's not really the case. You got you're like layering probabilities on probabilities here. Uh, it's like a it's like a coin toss, right? So if you're if you're if you win a game, if you can get one one flip of tails of a coin toss, you don't set your team up so you get two total flips of the coin and say, oh well, we we need one tails. It's fifty fifty. Let's just flip it twice and we should get one tails. Like you can't just bank on that happening. It's very common to flip the coin twice and get heads twice in a row. Right. You don't say, oh well, we should have had one tails. You know, <laughs> we did everything we could. Like you got to set your team up and prepare them in a way with the talent advantage you have. To give yourself eight flips of the coin and to get your one tails, like you can't just bank on hitting your XG marks. Like that's not really how X, XG works. Even in that, even as we already say, single X, XG is a uh, a bit of a myth. So uh, that that's where the rub is, right? How many chances are we building? How many chances are we giving ourselves to overcome this XG? Canada, it was a dead heat, uh, and you can't have your home games be a dead heat of of sort of. These, chan- these big chances you're creating and expect that you're just going to win all of your home games. So that's that's still my, that's like my rant on people saying, oh, well, we could have won it if we'd just gotten this header. Like you have to create more chances than just the three to be like, well, one of those should have gone in. Uh, if you think it's possible to do that, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not possible to create more chances against El Salvador. I feel like maybe we could do that. And I mean, results do drive the narrative. It's... um. Like we were, we were still critical of the of Berhalter through the summer, but it obviously the criticism is softened even for us when we win trophies. You know, we're human beings too, so like we're not perfectly. At least I'll speak for myself. I'm not perfectly consistent on this stuff. I was like, I was happy that we won the Gold Cup. I was happy that we won Nations League. Those were those were fun matches, and um, I, my criticism was softened, but. We're, we're playing soccer the same way. That's not changed. That's not changed. It's the, still the same kind of soccer. And what, what's really frustrating, so then obviously the results aren't there right now. What's really frustrating for me is, or at least depressing for me, is I look around and I say, well, wh- well who would you, who do we need to put in what position to like make this work better? And I'm running out of ideas, you know? You know, like I'm like, well, part of me is like, well, let's bring in, let's bring in Julian Araujo. Let's really get him. We need these a lockdown right back. That's gonna, that's gonna. He's not gonna let that stuff happen against Davies. And I'm setting aside whether that's even really true or not, which I don't know. Um, that's my best idea. You know, <laughs> it's like the whole thing's not working. The whole, the whole, pro, the whole program's not working right now. In, terms, in possession, yeah, in possession, yeah. like that. That really is like this. I want to say it's a narrow thing. You know, because our defense has been pretty solid. Like, I think that that's almost like an understatement. Our defense has been very good. And part of that is related to our ability to possess the ball, even if it's not dangerously. But we have to find a way to possess in a way that leads to chances because it's too easy for teams to, you know, game plan against us. If they can just say, give the U.S. the ball and they can't do anything with it. Right. We Our best chance to get points then is actually against Mexico. <laughs> Because Mexico won't say that they'll play, they're going to have the ball. Right, right. Well, yeah. Let's let's uh, let's bank on six points from Mexico, and uh, everything's all right. 
draws everywhere else, six points against Mexico. Do we talk about Honduras? Because we haven't even talked about how, I mean, we're, we're talking about our possession shortcomings. There is still a bit of like Burhalter, Burhalter cuteness going in here. We thought we were past that, but uh, we've gotten a bit cute here through this window. Yeah, he, so he brought Jackson Ewell in. That's his, that's his game time call up to replace McKinney. Well, let's let's talk about the let's talk about the whole roster construction because this has been an issue. Uh, we started out the window with twenty six when we announced it, which I was fine with. We talked about it like fine to keep a tight camp because you can always add guys in later for emergencies. Well, Tim Weah got ruled out before the camp even starts. Pulisic can't be at the first. We we don't have him. We have him like as a last second COVID test taking guy in London to come in, but we don't bring any replacements. And some of these things you might need to start doing earlier if you need them for later. But we don't bring in any replacements for Wea. Reina gets injured against El Salvador, and we don't bring in a replacement for him. Uh, we lose Dest, and we we don't bring in a replacement right away for Dest. McKenney kicked off the team. Uh, no, repl- and then that's the one replacement we bring in. So we go into this last game against Honduras uh, with 23 players possible because we brought in Sean Johnson for stacks. Stefan, we have 23 players available. And six of them are center backs. Like that's a crazy roster to bring into the last game of the window when you could have been bringing guys in throughout. Right. There's no there's no restriction on this. He can bring in people whenever <laughs> whenever he wants. I mean, there's co- there's COVID protocols with players coming from Europe for sure. So that's a that's a that's an obstacle. But I don't know exactly how much of an obstacle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, so it's just these weird roster handcuffs we're putting on ourselves because if if Yedlin goes down, God forbid. Like now we're, I mean, maybe he's already got his contingency, but it seems ridiculous to put yourself in a situation where it's like, oh, well, no problem. We'll just put Tyler Adams there. Like if that's not where you want Tyler Adams to be playing, why would you leave yourself that as the only contingency plan you have for Yedlin being hurt? I don't know what their Yedlin replacement injury contingency is, but there isn't a natural one. It's, for sure. I'm going to guess you, I'm going to guess it's Kellen Acosta, you know, which is baloney. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, you know, I was calling for more of a sprawly roster, as you put it back in the, back before this roster was announced, not so much because I thought we would need, uh, so many players, but it turns out we kind of did, we kind of did need, we needed, we needed three right backs, three left backs. Uh, so maybe that's something we all learned from this window is that these three game windows are grueling enough that you need to bring a 30 man roster. And, um, Yeah. Or just he could have just been solving it in real time. Lose a man, add a man. Lose a man, add a man. Like why? Why are we? I don't know. It's yeah, I guess I'm, I'm thinking of the I'm thinking of the European, you know, the European obstacles. Like, um, but but yeah, you could you could solve it in real time. There's plenty of people in MLS. Like, who would you bring in to play right back? I'd I'd I'd, I'd give I'd send a big old fruit basket to <laughs> Julian Araujo. And um, but Kyle Duncan and Herrera have reps. And again, you're just look. You're definitely looking for like a break glass kind of situation. And maybe, maybe Berhalter's run it through and is like, Nope, even in that situation, I'm not breaking the glass and putting in Herrera. Wouldn't, wouldn't do it. So no need to bring him in because that player is going to be Tyler Adams anyway, or Kellen Acosta anyway. Uh, then, then I mean, I guess, but, uh, we, we have that in a lot of places on the field. We don't, we're going to, we're really, uh, we're really running a tight, a lean group here for this last match. Well, Honduras is going to, Honduras is well maybe so maybe this six center backs on the roster thing is gonna is gonna come to fruition against Honduras and we'll play three at a back three at the back and rotate all three at halftime (laughs) right so I but um Honduras is gonna 
they're going to bunker, I mean, almost certainly, and force us to try to score by passing through them. And we'll get another chance to see whether Berhalter can pull that off. And he can. It's, it's totally possible that it does happen. It's, it's not. It's totally possible that the, fl- the switch flips after 30 months. <laughs> it's not inevitable that our good players do good things and, and steal a result at Honduras. Because I'm, because I'm increasingly uh, sympathetic to the the half spaces proposal, which is just, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, just play good defense and do some hero ball, <laughs> and. Uh, but the thing is, if if Reyna's hurt, or if God forbid Reyna and Pulisic are both hurt at the same time, then uh, you know, it could it, we could see a lot of really ugly mo- uh, ugly matches because we're already seeing a lot of ugly matches. Well, we know how this has to, this has to end with a, a Jackson Ewell streamer. Didn't he? Didn't he get one against Honduras in Olympics? Yes, it was a very nice. So goal. there we go, Jackson Ewell streamer. Bank it. Honestly, any, nothing would surprise me tomorrow night. Like we could end up losing three zero. We could end up winning three zero. I guess most likely thing is it's a one one draw <laughs> or a zero zero draw. Anything else, Greg? No, we, I mean, I know we're not doing like a lineup, but I, I feel like what's the what's the point of trying to guess who who's still standing at this point? Adams and Miles Robinson, both on 180 minutes. Do you think there's any chance they get rotated preemptively? Because I would say, I'm saying no. I'm answering my own question. No, I don't think they're going to get rotated. I think I think Greg is in. Greg, there's no master plan anymore. He's just trying to he's just trying to get a result here. Not a result. Not a result. I keep saying that he's he he needs a win. He needs a win tomorrow night. So I think I think we'll see Adams for 90 or as, as many minutes as it takes to secure the win and probably 90 if we're not winning. Same so with Robinson. I'm going to I'm going to press you here though. Why does he need a win? So he gets fired on a draw? No, he's not like I said I, I don't think he's going to I don't think anything gets him fired. All right. And we can we can still qualify for the World Cup on 3 points out of this window. We can, but Okay, it, I'm it just I'm just set. trying to find out. It puts us, I mean, you, you know, you can math, we could go several windows. We go two more windows without getting any points and still technically qualify for the World Cup by getting, you know, 24 in our points. last sure. two windows. Sure. But like every time you only get three points in a window, your chances of qualifying for the World Cup do actually decrease. So, yeah, I, I really need this win just to, he needs to prove that he can actually get a win in a, in a real game because we've looked suspect uh, in a lot of games. And, and I'm sorry, like for all the people who are like two trophies in the summer. How do you guys just like no one's talking about Bruce Arena's 2017 Gold Cup trophy? The trophies were, you know, the trophies were nice. And I, I guess I should I should mention one thing we saw from that B squad in the Gold Cup is like as you would, you know, we'd play t- teams for an hour. We somehow managed to stay in the game, and then and then we'd bring in like four four subs in the last half hour that were you know, roughly on the same level with our starters. And then we just, we would just grind teams down. Sometimes we did it in, in extra time. And, um, you know, it doesn't seem like we, with Berhalter waiting until the 83rd minute to make subs. We're like, where is that? Where is that? Right. Strategy? That trust. There's no trust now that it's crunch time. God trust them. <laughs> Got to trust them to even start a couple of games, which we didn't do against El Salvador. Yeah. All right. All right, it's, it's we're all we're all bummed out, man. Yeah, it's we're a, bummed out. We're a little nervous. Everyone's a little nervous. Yeah. Let's see what happens tomorrow night. We'll talk to everybody on Thursday. We'll see ya.